the Holy Gospel. On the night of his arrest, Jesus taught his disciples about the relationship they would have with him. Those who abide in his word and love bear fruit, for apart from him, they can do nothing. Jesus speaks to us. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. We have any gardeners here in the congregation? Don't be bashful. Raise your arm. Come on. All right. Um, Who prunes in their garden? All right. Why? (laughs) Huh? Why do you prune? Hmm? So it grow okay, so it doesn't grow all over? And also, it'll make a nice compact, more flowers. Okay, more, more blossoms, yeah. which means more tomatoes. Okay. Right? I was thinking about roses, but that's... Oh, I'm, I'm thinking tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But lately, you know, I've been, I've been kind of feeling a little um, pruned of late. Pruned. Just kind of felt... My life has been pruned and kind of, kind of out of sync. Anyone else out here feeling like they've been pruned? Hmm? Okay, all right. So I'm not alone in this. Don't get me wrong. I, I lead a blessed life with a wonderful wife, a bunch of kids, and eight grandkids. I'm, I'm, I'm almost in heaven. But I, and I'm profoundly grateful for this. And even my Social Security check arrives in my, in my bank on the same day of every month. I can count on it. So that, that's also good. This past year, the last 14 or 15 months, has turned the world upside down, hasn't it? Many of you know people who've suffered from the virus. Perhaps you yourself. I heard someone coming in today that they had a mild case of it, and they're, but they're doing very well now. And maybe you've known someone, a family member, uh, someone from where you work at or where you work with, or maybe a neighbor of yours who lost their life because of COVID-19. And there's more, much more. The single mom or dad who is struggling uh, to make ends meet and uh, 
while still providing a, a, nurturing, a, a, a nurturing environment for their kids while they are struggling with a profound and unexpected loneliness. Or the kid who's been cyber-bullied so often that she now begins to believe all the, all the what these haters have to say about her. Or the professional whose employment was terminated and, and she has no decent job prospects as of yet. Or the caretaker who's losing a beloved spouse day by day, little by little, to Alzheimer's. And that's the thing. At any given point, even when things are going relatively well, there are still so many difficult things with which we have to contend in this life. And it feels like being pruned. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it feels worse than that. Maybe it feels like being cut. Cut down by life's tragedies, great or small. Cut down by disappointment or or despair. Cut down by circumstances way beyond our control. And left to wither and to die. It's easy to read this passage as one of judgment and threat. Abide in me or else, be pruned, wither, be thrown in the fire, and die. But I think the thrust, I think the thrust of this passage uh, from our gospel lesson today, this morning, is not a threat. Rather, it's a promise. It's a promise. Why do I say this? It's, It's all about and has everything to do with the context of our gospel lesson. First, the concept of the narrative. Jesus is offering these words to his disciples on the eve, on the eve of his crucifixion. He knows what's going to happen to both himself and to his disciples. He knows what's going to happen, and it's not going to be good. It's going to be very, very bad. The disciples are about to, be, about to be cut down by his crucifixion and death, and he is sh- assuring them that it will not be a mere senseless cutting, but rather that they will survive and even flourish and thrive. The second context of our gospel lesson this morning uh, is that the community for which St. John writes, and he's writing this about 100 years after the crucifixion, uh, the community for which St. John's writes are Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians. They converted to Christianity. By the time his community are hearing these words from him, they have already been scattered. They have likely been thrown out of their, their worship places, the synagogue, and they also rejected by mom, dad, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, and there's friends. And they have plenty of reason to feel like they've been abandoned. But John writes to them to assure them that while they have indeed been cut, it is the pruning for a more abundant fruit and abundant life. But no doubt, that was extremely hard 
for the disciples and for the community of John that he's writing to to believe. I mean, how can they believe that? As there was precious little evidence available to the disciples or John's community that they had not been abandoned. And I'm willing to say it's no doubt it's still hard to believe on our end. It's still hard to believe on our end as well. As so much life simply tears at us with no evidence that it is toward some more meaningful future. But amid, but amid all this uncertainty and distress, Jesus still invites us. Actually, he doesn't just invite us. Jesus promises us, boldly promises us, that he will not abandon us, but he will rather cling to us like a vine clings to a tree so that we, in, we will endure and persevere and even flourish among these present difficulties. If Jesus had only said, abide in me or else, that would have been different. But it's not what Jesus said. Abide in me, he says, as I abide in you. Live in me as I live in you. This is more than good advice, more than a mere invitation. This is a promise. This is a promise that no matter what happens, Jesus will be with us. That no matter what happens, Jesus will hold tightly to us, hold us in his arms. And that no matter what happens, Jesus and God will bring all things to a good end. Which is not to say that everything happens for a reason. Rather, it is to say that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, we have God's promise in Jesus to work for good. Remember, again, that these words were spoken on the night before he was crucified. And I would argue that the cross was not some, simply some part of a larger plan, but rather the cross is the chief example of God's commitments to wrestle life and hope from the very place that seems most devoid of life and hope. If the cross has any meaning, I think it means that God chose not to sit back in heaven, removed from the pain and the smallness of our mortal and difficult life in this world, but rather God came in Christ to be joined to it, God came in Christ to be joined to it, all the difficulties that are in our world. The ups and downs, the hopes and disappointments, the frailties and faults of our life in this world. Why? Why? So that we would know God's unending commitment to us. Let me say that again. So that we would know God's unending commitment to you and to me. The cross was not the instrument that made it possible for God to love us. Rather, the cross is the evidence and the testimony to just how much God has already loved us and God's promise to be with us through all things. Just so the resurrection 
is the promise that no matter how much tragedy we endure, and I'm sure a lot of us feel a lot of, have a lot of tragedy in our lives, Jesus promises these hardships will not have the last word. Absolutely not. Let's be honest and confess that this can be a hard life to live. And it's always helpful to hear again that the suffering we endure is not wasteful cutting, but pruning for a more abundant future. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens, Jesus will not abandon you or will he abandon me? And that's the good news for today. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. Draw us ever closer to you, desiring your commandments and listening for your word. And teach us your love, for perfect love casts out fear. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. Draw us ever closer to each other, aching with each other in pain, rejoicing with each other in joy. And teach us your love, for perfect love casts out fear. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, and we are the branches. Draw us ever closer to all those who suffer in mind, body, or spirit, tending to their needs as we would have others tend our own. And teach us your love, for perfect love casts out fear. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. Draw us ever closer to all those who hunger or are homeless or are lonely, befriending them as you have befriended us. And teach us your love, for perfect love casts out fear. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. Draw us ever closer to this world that you have given us to enjoy and steward as a garden healing where we have harmed, planting for further generations to harvest. And teach us your love, for your perfect love casts out fear. Lord Jesus, you are the vine, we are the branches. Draw all those who have run the race and uh, and now are at rest with you. And grant us grace and hope sufficient to finish our own course with courage that at the close of our days, we may trust in your love and your love alone, for perfect love casts out fear. In your name we pray. Amen.